Thank you for tuning in to the Call Me By Your Game podcast today. Before we get started, I'm going to give you uh, your our weekly list of action items and resources. Um, you know, primarily started to support Black Lives, so we'll start there. There's the Supporting Black Lives email list put together by Paula Vignolan. It is a huge uh, email that comes in one to two times a week that gives you many resources on how to support Black Lives. Um, anything from petitions to places to donate to um, you know, situations that need our attention. Uh, so I'd encourage you to sign up there. There's a link to that and everything else in the show notes. Um, would encourage you to register vote to vote our systems. Uh, you know, they don't work for the many, they work for the few. And while, you know, telling people just to vote, I don't believe is always productive because it's way more complicated than that. Um, I still would encourage you if you are eligible to vote to do so. So there's a place to, uh, a vote.org link where you can sign up to register or you can register to vote. Um, I would encourage you to support your local uh, progressive candidates, if, especially if you're living in a place where someone is up for office this fall and find out ways to support them, whether it's volunteering, donating, or spreading awareness. Um, specifically, I would encourage anyone in Los Angeles, especially our CD4 residents, to check out Nithya Raman. Uh, she has a wonderful uh, platform I don't want to talk too much about any of these items today, but um, I really believe in her and I believe she can make a lot of change here. And uh, so check out her website, um, which is in the show notes. Uh, check out the LA podcast, which is a super informative show. It's a weekly show on Mondays where they're discussing, you know, LA politics and news and, you know, what's happening locally. Uh, so a pretty funny show and also just super informative and thorough. Um, and then lastly, I would encourage you to support your unhoused neighbors wherever you are, but especially on weekends like that are coming up for Labor Day weekend, it's going to be hot. There's going to be a heat wave. So not only would I encourage you to check out what Streetwatch LA is doing, which there's a link in the show notes, but consider, you know, finding small ways to support those people like loading up a case of cold water in your fridge the night before and then passing that out the next day. It could really make a difference for someone. So thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode. And again, all the things we just talked about are in the show notes. So check it out and we'll see you on the show. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. If you've never listened to the show before, this is a podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a wonderful guest and talk to them about a video game that is special to them and why. We'll talk as much about what made playing the game special, what they love about it, as we will the context around how they fell in love with the game for the first time, hence the name. A uh, little bit of housekeeping up top. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at callmebyyourgame.com. If you would like to email us with things you love about this game, uh, suggestions, uh, other, anything really. If you want to just like email us like some life progress and we don't know you, that's fine. You can reach us at callmebyyourgamepodcast 
at gmail.com. And then there's a few ways you can support the show. Uh, the first is you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps our visibility. We'd always want more uh, listeners to check out the show. Uh, you can also share the show with a friend if they love the game we're talking about today, games in general. Just share the podcast with them. And then lastly, most importantly, is our Patreon. Uh, this show is a part of uh, the the podcast network uh, Super NPC Radio. So uh, it's it's my show, Call Me By Your Game, Video Games and Comedy Show, and then Inside Video Games and Gaming with July Diaz. And then truly double the content is on our Patreon. Uh, we put out a lot, of, a lot of stuff every week. So you can visit us at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Um, and today I'm actually going to do a shout out of our patrons. Uh, we'll be doing monthly. So I'll go ahead and shout Mauricio Diosis, Robert Copley, Goblin Bomber, and Riley Smith. Uh, that's it for the housekeeping. Thank you, patrons. It means a lot to have you. Um, uh, and I hope you're enjoying the content we're putting out there. But that ends the housekeeping. And I'll go ahead and start the best part of the show for everyone involved. And that is introducing the guests. So please welcome writer, actor, bird savior, and hopeful Disney villain in Los Angeles, Jessica Svensgaard. Hello. Welcome to the show, Jess. Uh, it's it's I see weekly, so it's not like you know. For a lot of my guests, it's maybe the one time that we're talking during quarantine. But I get to see you all the time. Not that it's not special, but hey, lucky me. You can say it's not special. It's fine. I mean, it doesn't have to be special as long as you enjoy it. And hey, if every I guess you know, if everything's special, then nothing is. So there, yeah, there Quote we go. The, the bad guy from Incredibles, you know. Yeah. Exactly. That's pretty much exactly what I was doing right there. <laughs> um, uh, Jessica, uh, I know you and uh, because we met through improv like everyone else pretty much that comes on this show. On every and, podcast, I think. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah. Um, I think even on the like uh, political shows, they met each other through improv. So, um, But I know you through that. Uh, 1619 for the New York Times. They met yeah. during improv. Yes, um, and any other one you might listen to. Uh, we've, we've known each other. Actually, you're one of the people I've known for the longest in this town. It's kind of crazy that we have known each other for so long, but we met in the first year that I was out here. How might other people know you, or did we kind of cover it? Um, well, I mean, many, many ways, because I am extremely famous. I think people have trouble even counting the ways they might know me. Um, but if it's anyone who's ever attended a live comedy show in Los Angeles, that's, that's probably the only way. Um, it's either that or they're a man who follows me on Instagram. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I am one of those two things. I'm, I'm two of those two things, actually. Uh, you know what I, I want to bring up that I, I didn't plan, but I'm realizing as we're sitting here is that we, well, we actively run one improv show together, but we used yeah. to run two improv shows together. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think eventually the other one will come back. It's just that one was conducive to quarantine improv and the other was not because we have one weekly show that is the same group of people every single week. And so it was very easy for those people to move to Zoom. And then our other show was a variety show and booking... Um, an average of 15 people a week to do a Zoom show seemed uh, pretty daunting. And so I don't blame us for not keeping up with TNT. Yeah. So all those critics out there blaming us, lay off. <laughs> um, but I do totally agree with you. It like wasn't even as much as it would have been fun to do like a an anniversary show, which I totally forgot about. Um, Me too. 
Um, it was not even a question. It was like, oh no, that's already, it's already like basically too much work at times. So whatever. But uh, yeah, Jessica is a like wonderful co-host of those shows Um, was, you know, a part of the, the, I mean, a few of my favorite teams ever grandma and wild. Uh, I could name so many more, uh, but I won't. Um, (laughs) Oh, and also, like I said, I bring a guest to talk about a specific game every week. What game are we going to talk about later? Uh, We are going to talk about maybe my all-time favorite game, definitely the one I have the most emotional attachment to, which is Mario Party 4. We're going to touch on the aspects of all Mario Parties because they're all pretty important, but I think a lot of people agree, especially if they're specifically our age, (laughs) agree that Mario Party 4 is maybe the best, most replayable, most important Mario Party. That's awesome. Hey, I love you're selling it up top, Jess, and I'm so appreciative of that. Um, well, before we dive into, you know, your specific history with this game, I understand you might touch on it in this next segment, but let's talk about your history with video games in general. How did you ever get into, you know, playing and enjoying a game for the first time up to now, Jess? Um, I literally have my first, this may not have been my very first, I may have had like a cheapie before this, but this was my first little console that I still oh. own. It's my, my green Game Boy Color. It's beautiful. Um, I have Super Mario Land in there because it is so old at this point that I'm a, I'm afraid if I tried to switch games that it would like crumble that it would turn <laughs> like disintegrate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also the sound doesn't work anymore. Um, I feel like there might be people who like fix Game Boy colors. Yeah, but this is like at this point I keep it on my like nightstand to sometimes like play before bed because also the nice thing about the old I actually don't know if this is true but I assume that these old screens don't have blue light right. I don't believe, well, actually, oh, no, no, like the blue light. They don't glow in the dark because when I was a kid, I I used to have um, like one of those lights that were made for Game Boys. Like the worm light? Yeah, yeah. So I could play in bed. Um, And now I just play with my bedside lamp on because I don't live with my parents anymore. Um, Congrats. (laughs) No blue light. And so if I want something to do before bed that's not reading, I will just play Super Mario Land for a little bit. Um, and it's also just so much, it's like so nostalgic and it makes me feel so happy to hold it and play it. Um, and who knows, maybe I will get it fixed someday so I can play other games, but Game Boy Color was my huge, huge thing when I was a kid. I, I had Pokemon Yellow and Blue. I may have had red too. I was a wow. spoiled little kid. So <laughs> I was definitely really into Pikachu and Squirtle. I played all the Pokemons on my Game Boy Color. Um, and then a bunch of Game Boy games that were based on my favorite TV shows. Like I had every like Rugrats game, <laughs> Wild Thornberries game. I had any Game Boy game that was based off like a Disney movie. Oh, yeah. And I took my Game Boy Color everywhere. It's really amazing considering how much shit you lose as a kid that this is the thing that I've managed, this might, this like up there with my oldest, oldest possessions. Because when did Game Boy Color come out? I think I would have been like nine. I think it was 1998 or nine. Oh, yeah, shit. I would have been like seven. That's fucking crazy. Dang. Uh, That's awesome. I think, you know, I don't know if this is why it's easier to hang on to stuff like that, but it is like video games can be precious to little kids and Mm -hmm. they are, maybe it's like they're more valuable than losing like a, like a single Lego or whatever. So 
I'm also really happy to hear that. I love that you, we got a visual aid. I should have said for the listener, um, it's not watching the video. Jess held up the lime green Game Boy Color. I have the, like the turquoise one, but it's, it's one that I got later. Um, so glad that you said you mentioned Legos because I just moved and, um, Something, my other oldest possessions are probably, I have a box of Legos under my bed that are, is every Lego set that I've had since I was like six years old. Whoa. Um, and it's now getting to the point, my nephew is turning three this week. And so in what, oh like gosh. three years, I'll be able to give them to him. Um, but I was just a, like a very solitary little child. And I liked anything that I could play by myself. Because I didn't have have that many friends. (laughs) (laughs) And so I like that, like, I could just play with my Game Boy Color or my Legos. Or, like, I was a big book kid. I feel like lonely kids always fucking love Mm. books because you can just, like, you don't need anyone to read a book with. You can just read a book for, like, ten hours. You may not, but I need need a panel of people as I read a book, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I honestly really value that in, like, a friendship or a relationship, too, is somebody who... We'll read a book in the same, <gasps> sorry. Um, I really value someone who will just read a book in the same room as me. Mm. I think uh, uh, peaceful cohabitating silence is very important. That is very important. Very nice too. Uh, so, okay. So we're on you know, the Game Boy Color train. We're looking at the late 90s, early 2000s. I, also, I just also love that you love the licensed games from like Nickelodeon and Disney. That's yeah. so cool. Um, well, we're, take us on the journey after that, where did you go from the Game Boy Color? Um, oh, I want to give a shout out to my mom who got me and my sister like a knockoff Dance Dance Revolution game um, <laughs> when we were like, I would have been like 10 or something that we kept in our house. And it was uh, like, the system was just this one game. It like wasn't like wow. you got DDR for your like PS1. <laughs> it was just a knockoff DDR. I wish I could remember the name. I'm sure it was something fantastically stupid. <laughs> had a mat um, that you danced on, like a soft mat that had like really bad receptors. And then the system, and of course, because it was a knockoff, there were no like pop songs. It was all like <laughs> public domain, like techno music. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was the first game that I started playing with other people. And that was really fun. And then it would have been in maybe like 2001. So I would have already been in middle school that I got a GameCube. And it was mostly because all of my friends were getting a GameCube. And I was like, wow, clearly I want that because all my friends want that. And that's when I started playing, I guess, real video games for the first time. (laughs) Even then, I don't know. I have not spent a lot of time um, amongst people who might refer to themselves as gamers on the internet um, because I'm a woman and they can be a little frightening. Yeah, um, there, there might be something toxic about gaming culture. I, I'm just speculating here. no way to know. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had, you What's know. Funny is, uh, yeah, my, probably the most extensive knowledge I have of gaming culture is about Gamergate in particular because it became <laughs> such a huge feminist issue. Yeah. And so I read up a lot on that. And so, um, uh, what's the phrase? It's about ethics and gaming journalism. I'm very mm. familiar with that. Yeah. Um, but I, it's, it's weird to think of myself as somebody who 
used to be like really, really into video games, but specifically like um, fun video games. I think the reason that me and so many people gravitate towards like Nintendo games is because Nintendo games are always fun. Mm. Even the ones like like uh, like Paper Mario that might get a little depressing, they're still <laughs> like, they're still very lighthearted and sweet, and they're meant to be enjoyed and yeah. frequently meant to be enjoyed with other people. And so I loved all of the Nintendo World games, like the Mario World games, um, Super Mario 64. Ooh. I played for years. I still, I played like well into high school. I kept my <laughs> before. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually one of the other games I pitched to you that somebody else has already done is was a SSX Tricky. Yes. Yeah. And that game... I, I I've had a I've had several games come up a few times. Actually, Super Mario sixty four is one. We are we've done that. Which again, we could always do a game a second time. But I I love the variety. Um, yeah. But Tricky has come up like four or five times, and that I think was like really? the. It was Kimia who did the episode, right? Yeah, like episode I want to say like eight or something. So a while, <laughs> a while back, but that game rules. Uh, SSX Tricky was incredible because it was like a very fun game that you play mm-hmm. you play by yourself or with friends i played with my best friend a lot and um he got mad at me because i cheated so frequently um <laughs> i i <laughs> i was a very competitive child and i think i'm still competitive but i'm more chill about it now but when i was a kid my favorite move was um smacking the controller out of someone's hand (laughs) (laughs) i'm not proud of it but i did it a lot and that was my move with ssx tricky because it was a race and so if somebody lost a couple seconds you could beat them but also um i think for a lot of uh young people video games like any form of media will influence your um sexuality and the girls of ssx tricky were real it's like one of those things when you look back on now you're like when you're a kid you're like why am i so obsessed with marisol from ssx tricky and now as an adult i'm like okay well i know why now i know why yeah (laughs) every outfit for marisol Hmm, who knows they're designed to be like over the top hot and it's as a kid like you might understand that they're hot but like it's hard to sort of understand the like level that that (laughs) that is occupying your brain space were you a Sims person? No, I wasn't. Oh, man. When Sims 3 came out, that was a huge fucking deal because um, you could make them woohoo. Yes. That was a big, big deal because even as a person in middle school playing that, I didn't know what, really know what woohoo was. I knew that it existed <laughs> and I knew why you would do it, but I didn't know the mechanics of it. But you could, like, if you chose love as an aspiration for your Sim, then they would want to woohoo all the time. <laughs> they would try to woohoo with as many sims as possible. And there were cheat codes where, because when they would woohoo, it would be under the sheets. Uh-huh. And, um, but there were cheat codes you could get to like remove the sheets or remove the um, uh, uh, pixelations on their bodies. So now we're talking. Naked sims. Which is crazy because I had the internet. I could have just looked at porn. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, I want to watch my sims woohoo again. I think I, I did a... I, I think I operated in a similar way. I remember specifically, like there was a brief phase in junior high where I discovered several like websites that had like video content on them or like games. And there was this like, I don't know if you ever visited Albino Black Sheep or E-Bombs World. Oh, E-Bombs World. Yes, absolutely. So they had like games and videos. And one of the games was this like, 
like way over the top sexy volleyball game. It was a terrible <gasps> game. I remember this game. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And there was like, I knew, I found out there was a way to uh, make them naked, the women naked. Cause yeah. it's like, I think two women playing volleyball against each other with, you know, they're very voluptuous. So, but I remember I found this out and then I was like super conflicted about doing it. And I was like, no, this is bad. I shouldn't do it. And then like, I remember I finally, I was so curious and I caved and I did it. And then I think I like, like scrubbed my browser history after (laughs) and was so afraid. Uh, So I've been there. My parents are old. And so like, I knew they weren't, they were never looking at my browser history specifically, but the only risk would be if they caught me like literally in the act um, and so I always had like my foot on the, um, modem power button, which I'm sure was awful for my fucking computer to just <laughs> be like manual shut off if I <laughs> up the stairs. And especially like, I know they wouldn't have been thrilled, but if the worst thing they caught me doing was like looking at fake naked women playing <laughs> volleyball, I'm sure they would have just been like, oh, who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's too good. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sorry. I, I think I took us off on a tangent, but I'm glad we did. You were talking about playing GameCube games like Tricky, I think. Um, oh, did yeah. you play after, after like the GameCube in that era? Were you, did you get a Wii? Like where, did you not play games? What happened? I had a PS2 as well. That's where I played like Tricky. Oh, Crazy, cool. Crazy Taxi was really fun. Um, and the Simpsons version of Crazy Taxi too. I yeah. love I love that game. Um, oh, I love uh, Crash Bandicoot. That was one of my favorites. Um, and so I played those mostly through middle school. And then in high school, I got into musical theater. And that <laughs> ended up <laughs> eating up a lot of my time. Like, I quit. I quit horseback riding. I quit softball. I quit playing a lot of video games um, because musical theater is just like, when you get into it, it doesn't matter if you have the smallest part, you're like, I'm at rehearsal. I can't do anything. I'm at rehearsal. Even if like you're barely at rehearsal because you're like the fucking ninth lead, Jessica, um, <laughs> just, that becomes your whole life. And so I didn't start playing video games probably again until I was in junior or senior year of high school when my family and most families would have gotten a Wii, I think. When did the first generation of Wii come out? Uh, 2006, November. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we got one a couple years after that came out and my family got into it. Um, and also all my friends got into the Wii and playing, um, mostly, honestly, mostly Mario Party and Mario Kart. Like awesome. those were games we had all loved as a kid and we we're like, Oh, it's just as fun now. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, I like, I remember you having a Wii out here. So you, and I'm like really impressed. Like you kept a lot of your, or like at least some of your stuff, like your Game Boy too. Yeah. I unfortunately lost my Wii in two moves ago. Um, I was leaving my apartment and I had done a walkthrough and they had already told me that I was going to lose like most of my deposit. They were just like nickel and diming me. And I was like, I'm not going to take these people to court to like get my $800 back. And so what I did is when I finally moved and left the keys behind, I left um, like a few bags of trash there. (laughs) Very rude, 
But uh, I was like, well, they're keeping all my fucking money anyway. They can throw out my trash. I want to leave. I don't give a shit. But included in that bag of trash was a bag of my things. Oh, no. We're not trash. I know. Um, That included my Wii. And so Mm. uh, I know. I was very, very heartbroken because I'd had that for over 10 years. But what's funny is I still have... um, all of my games. <laughs> so I, just, wow. I just have like no recourse to play them on. Um, but I keep them in case I decide to like buy a secondhand one. I was looking at secondhand GameCubes because about half of them are GameCube games um, that I played on my Wii. Yeah. But refurbished GameCubes go for like, some of them are like $200 now. And I'm like, that's insane. Like you can, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could find one a lot more reasonable on eBay, but they are popular and they do go for higher higher prices because the GameCube actually didn't sell very well. So because there's less, there were less of them that were sold. Yeah, Yeah. there's like not a lot around. Like mine, mine actually, the disc reader, the laser, uh, malfunctions all the time. So I will always use the Wii. Mm. Yeah. Oh, what was I gonna say? Oh no! Oh, oh the worst no. thing has happened. You lost your Wii. Had your Wii for ten years. Yeah, I lost it. Mm, who cares? Forget about it. Hey, it's all good. Um, do you do any like gaming on your own now or with people? Besides, we used like I said earlier, maybe not even on the show that we've played like a handful of video games together when we used to be able to you know see each other in person. I remember. When the Switch came out, I remember you and Sagar playing Snipper Clips. Yes. Uh, my um, Switch is fun. We've played, I think, Mario Party 2 and the one on the Switch together a lot. But yeah, do you do any sort of gaming now? Now, I don't do anything so intense, I think, probably because I haven't had my system since I lost my Wii. And so I play my Game Boy in my downtime. But once again, only Super Mario Land because I'm so afraid of changing the cartridges. Even though there's a really sick uh, and quote-unquote antique store in the town my parents live in, um, which is mostly antique stores. It's a very old-ass town. Mm -hmm. But one antique store carries a lot of vintage video games. And they have a lot of Game Boy games. Um, But I'm still too scared to switch out the cartridge. Dang. (laughs) But... Probably um, the most gaming I've done since then has just been at friends' places playing like Mario Kart or Smash or whatever. Um, Yeah, nothing insane. I remember, how long ago did the Switch like first gen come out? Uh, Three years ago. That's insane because I remember at the time thinking like, I want one, but I'm like, oh, I shouldn't spend the money right now. And for three years, I have been like, I shouldn't spend money on something like frivolous, like a video game right now. Um, even though I've easily spent many times the worth of a switch on things that I absolutely don't need in that time. <laughs> and then of course, like when quarantine started and everybody wanted to switch more than anything in the world, including me, they became unavailable just due to demand. And what's funny is because I'm searching for it pretty often, trying to find like a secondhand one that isn't like six hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> now I get fed promotions for it all the time. In my <laughs> feed, I'm seeing ads for the Switch nonstop, and I'll go to the replies, and it's all people like me. It'll be like a hundred replies of people being like, "Why are you advertising this if it's it's not fucking available? Stop showing <laughs> these ads if I can't buy a Switch." Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. That is not because f- yeah, that like implies that it's available and it's not 
But also, is it true that you can't? Um, the Switch right now has no like recourse for playing older Nintendo games. It well, actually, it has some a way to do that. There, if you have if you have a Switch and you get a Nintendo Switch Online uh, subscription, which is twenty dollars a year, which allows you to play any game that has online capabilities, and then it comes with like random perks, really cool. Like they released this Tetris game where you're playing against other people and if you cl- like clear a line it sends it to someone else so you're getting stacked from the bottom top that's really cool. 99 right yes Ooh. Oh. i haven't i think i played that once at your place oh, and okay. i it was harder than i expected because i believed that i was really great at <laughs> i used to play tetris in class in high school all the time yeah um, on my phone and me and my friends would like compare at lunch and we would get like like hundreds of thousands of millions of points and I thought I was really good because it gets faster as you go um and then one time I played Tetris 99 at your apartment and I was like no these people <laughs> literally every single person playing this game right now is on a whole nother level that I cannot cannot yeah, that is some serious stuff um and aside from that it you can play original Nintendo and Super Nintendo games right now they like every so often will release um like more and more so they're adding to the library it's a lot of the classics are there, but there's no like N64, no GameCube. Oh. Like they drop the ball on a lot of that stuff all the time. It's either, and their communication's really poor. It's always hard to understand if it's them not having the capability, which is not true, or or them just like holding stuff so that they have stuff to release later mm. to get people to keep using the service. So you think um, the easiest way to get a shit ton of money would be to release all of their old games. Yeah, like it's, I would, they're, they're obviously doing a sort of like Netflix model now, but with their old games, like the virtual console's gone. But if the, if I had both, I would still subscribe to this and then buy the games that aren't on the service. So yeah. anyway, I've ranted about this many times, um, <laughs> but uh, Jess, thank you so much for sharing your history with video games. Before we jump in to our main discussion about Mario Party 4. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break uh, and we will be right back. Hi there, everyone. This is the host of the Call Me By Your Game podcast, Connor McCabe, and I am thrilled to announce that our show is now a part of the brand spanking new video game podcast network, Super NPC Radio. Uh, and we've launched a Patreon in addition to support our shows. All the shows and content from Super NPC Radio are fully independent, and we finally have a way to not only make new video content, but more podcasts as well, bonus shows, and help pay for our expenses in doing so. We can offer several great tiers, and for $5 a month, you'll get access to our brand new weekly show, Super NPCs. At the following $10 tier, you'll get even more bonus content, including a monthly group episode of this show called Call Me By Your Game Co-op, where we discuss iconic games, their respective legacies, and their place in history. If this is interesting to you and you like this show, check us out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio and keep on enjoying those games, why don't ya? Welcome back to the rest of this episode of Call Me By Your Game with... 
the wonderful Jessica Svensgaard talking about Mario Party 4. Um, so like I said earlier, Jess, we're going to jump into some history and context of the game, just in case the listener might not know. Uh, and then we'll move on to your 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 details and your your whatever you want to sh- call them. I can't speak right now. Um, anecdotes, whatever. Um, I'll jump right into it. Mario Party 4 is a party game developed by Sunsoft and published by Nintendo for the GameCube in 2002. Like previous games in the series, it features eight playable characters. Mario, Luigi, Peach, Yoshi, Warrior, Donkey Kong, Daisy, and Waluigi from the Super Mario series. These characters are used as the player's mascot while moving around in a series of six themed boards where the objective is to end the game with the most stars. These stars can be purchased with coins from a single predefined space on the game board. Each player's movement is determined by a roll of a die with the roll from each player forming a single turn. Uh, Each turn is followed by a minigame where characters compete for coins that can be used to purchase items and stars. The Mario Party series began on the Nintendo 64, and the first three games were popular, with Mario Party 2 being remembered the most fondly of that first batch. They provided a Mario-themed arena. These games prof- provided a Mario-themed arena of chaos for the player, where no matter how skilled someone might be at dice rolls or mini games, the element of chance and luck always had their turn to turn the game upside down, making no player safe. Mario Party Four was met with positive reception as the first in the series on the GameCube, although there were several complaints regarding a lack of originality and slow pacing. Shots fired, Jess. Uh, during the games. It was mar- followed by Mario Party 5, and the series has continued to live on with the most recent entry for the Nintendo Switch, Super Mario Party. Um, aside from any severe disagreements from you, uh, Jess, did you have anything you want to add or move on? I um, I understand where the, the pacing criticisms could come from, because all of the Mario Parties are board games yeah. and so if you find board games tedious then yeah these games are bad for you <laughs> <laughs> i love board games and i fucking love mario party and um yeah if you're just like playing in silence with three other people it's probably not going to be that exciting <laughs> yeah absolutely get your get your boom boxes going get those drinks flowing and then yeah. then and you know just like live a little in the moment um well awesome so let's go ahead and just jump right into it jess the main part of the show the whole reason we're here and that's to hear about your history with mario party 4 so um we you maybe kind of touched on it earlier but how did you get into this game were you a fan of the series before um yes i had played uh one two and three at friends houses as a child but mario party 4 was the first one that I owned, even though I had an N64, I had never purchased them, probably just because my friends had them. And when you're a child, like if your friends own stuff, you own stuff. But when I got- <laughs> Love that rule. Yeah, when I got my GameCube, I, I'm pretty sure Mario Party 4, it, no, it may have been later. My first GameCube game was um, uh, Luigi's Haunted Mansion. Oh, um, so yeah, good. Yeah, was also great. But Mario Party 4, when it came out, I was like, I have to have this. And I got it. And then for me and my friends, it just stood the test of time, probably because it came out when we would have been, would have been 11 or 12 maybe. Um, and it just like took over 
our lives. And I actually, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to share with you a PowerPoint. I would be honored. <laughs> <laughs> our First PowerPoint all, ever on the show. Uh, you, huge moment for us. Everyone can see it, but I'll just reference some of the information. I originally created this for a um, a Mario themed comedy variety show in the inner sanctum at UCB RIP. Um, most likely. <laughs> Oh, yeah, pretty much. To, uh, enable screen to share. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll go into the settings real quick. Um, let me see. Can I just do that with more? Uh, dun, dun. Oops. Yeah, I'll do that right now. Yeah, and, I, and that show is hosted by, or was, I think you said, hosted by former guest of this show, Oscar Montoya. Yes, the lovely, perfect Oscar. What game did he do? He did Marvel versus Capcom 2, which is a Ooh. fighting, like a side-by-side fighting game. Yeah, oh, uh, Mortal to... Kombat, if you will. Yes, uh, I'm trying to find the setting here. I'm on this share screen. Limit. Okay. Uh, back. How can I? I? Do you know where this lives on Zoom? Let's see. Thank you for your help, by the way. No problem. Um, I might even Google it real quick. I think that's my help. Because I'm not the host, it may not be showing up for me, but did you try going to settings, share screen? I did, but let me just try it again to be safe. Okay. Uh, see if maybe something else pops up. Settings, share screen. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's not like that and the advanced option don't say anything about allowing a guest to do this, but I've done it before. So right? let's see under settings. Okay. Hold on the meetings tab. Okay. Would it be easier if you just made me a host? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Also, this is, I mean, you probably noticed uh, what zoom this is on. Yeah. All right, let's go make host. Yeah. Okay. You should be the host. Here we go. Thank you for bearing with us on that. No, no problem. Okay. <laughs> um, so the title of this PowerPoint is How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, The Mario Party Story. <laughs> this PowerPoint covers kind of all Mario parties because, once again, they all have this essentially the same conceit, which is that it's a board game, which you're trying to win the most stars. But... Um, like I said, I played, I've played Mario Party for the most by far, by many, many hours. And so um, this applies to a lot of Mario Party 4. But one thing I like about Mario Party is that it is, it is a fun board game. So when you're playing other video games, what they want from you is to complete very stressful missions. Um, they frequently revolve around killing people. And even more frequently, they involve engaging um, with straight white men on the internet. Um, which I don't love to bad do. to do. <laughs> yeah, despite what my followings on social media might imply, um, they follow me and I don't object. But uh, it's not it's not really my mission. I really only want attention from women and non-binary people. But I'll take it from men. Um, but one of my good friends from back home, like I would watch her play like the Lara Croft games oh. or play like Diablo or Halo, and those games stress me the fuck 
out. <laughs> um, which is crazy because Mario Party is still a competitive game, but I know who I'm playing with. I It's not like Fortnite where there are 99 strangers and I'm trying to survive. I don't care for that. Um, what Mario Party asks of you is to pick an adorable little character and interact with other adorable little characters and play through a fucking adorable little board game and play within that game even fucking cuter little mini games. It's cute, cute, cute. It's such a fun time. Mario Land and like the whole Nintendo universe is so adorable. But there is a dark CD underbelly to Mario Party. <laughs> and that is um, anger, sadness, shouting, and hand cramps because you are um, playing very fast and intense mini games. And of course, you want to destroy your friends. Um, what's crazy is I love Mario Party so much. I think I've won Mario Party maybe three times in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's that is always how it feels. Uh, I I think I've I've played like I don't know ten games with Edgar before, and he's won almost all of them. Yeah, regardless it, of how many mini games someone else might win. I know. I think it's. Um, Partly because I am so competitive, my friends enjoy hurting me the most. So when it comes time to steal stars, they'll pick me. And also because I am really good at Mario Party, I yes. usually take an early lead. And then people are like, Jessica's a threat. We have to steal her fucking stars. Yep. We'll get the star stealing. Um, let's talk about your characters. These are not specifically <laughs> in Mario Party 4. These are general characters. Um, if you pick Mario, you're a straight white man. Um, if you pick Peach... You're a hot bitch, and you know it. Um, if you pick Toad, uh, you're probably Ace, um, and you're made of buttons. That is, um, I don't know why that is so funny to me. But <laughs> Toad, the Toad is Ace. I'm pretty sure Toad is canonically Ace. Um, also, Yoshi and Yoshi's uh, girlfriend are both canonically trans. Um, it's a very weird piece of lore, but it's true. Uh, uh, Luigi, you have an older brother. That's just... Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, uh, if you pick Donkey Kong, you'd probably have sex with John Cena, even a chance. <laughs> if you pick either Wario or Waluigi, um, you are a men's rights activist. This is like the, mo- like a mock host bit on this podcast. This is yeah, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a plug for mock improv. Um, I should have done a mock hosting. This PowerPoint was ready to go. I do feel like a solid third of my hosting bits at mock improv are PowerPoints. A PowerPoint is my favorite comedic medium, which hey, is how you fix know. when I broke. Yeah, that's how you know I used to have a Tumblr. Um, <laughs> most importantly, if you pick Daisy, um, you're a lesbian. Um, your name is Jessica Svensgard. I'm Daisy. No one else is allowed to pick Daisy. Not that <laughs> ever competing with me to pick Daisy, but uh, she is canonically gay. Um, and so Connor mentioned mini games already, but mini games are the most important part of Mario Party and they're the most fun because essentially everyone takes a turn going around the board and in between each round you play mini games and depending on where you land on the board it could be one versus three two versus two um I guess those are the only or uh free for all those are the only three combinations yeah I guess <laughs> like the each it's I, I do think it's cool it's such a minor thing that's been in since the beginning but the space that you land on during your turn affects like that will influence the type of mini game you'll play later. And it makes for a fun time because that means that during the game, you're going to get paired up with each of your friends. You're going to do free for alls. You're going to do one versus threes. And so 
Um, it makes sure it makes sure that all of your relationships are tested equally. Um, this slide in particular, I made at a time when one of my best friends was dating a guy that none of us liked and playing games with him fucking sucked. And he was always like, I'm a gamer because he played Call of Duty, but he couldn't win a single fucking mini game to save his life. And I felt like I got paired with him constantly. Oh, that sucks. Anyway, cause... Dick, Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we get to start. Oh this is really important um, because the most stars wins the game. I know that the way you acquired stars changed a little bit in Mario Party 9. Um, and I, I think it may have changed even more after that. But up until 8, it was really simple. Each round, there would be a star. The first person to get to that star with enough coins to buy them buys the star. And um, the most stars at the end wins. Um, one of the worst things that's ever happened to me in my life was when I got to a star on the game board and I was just like gloating and one of the people I was playing with uh, took the time for me gloating to just um, lean over to my controller and press no. So <laughs> you, also, you do have the option to not buy a star and I got so, so mad. Um, oh. Stealing stars in Mario Party is the number one source of ended friendships worldwide according to a study done by me. Um... <laughs> And I love that study. Some, here's yeah. some fun information. Okay, I wrote this a while ago. Being a dick in Mario Party means you're probably a dick in real life. I kind of stand by this. Um, but also, gameplay and real life are different. Like, in gameplay, I think I'm chaotic neutral. But in real life, I like to think I'm, like, neutral good. Um, I see that. If I'm competing with somebody in a game, I just want to win. Um, that's my only goal. Whereas in life, I think I have a more measured perception of what is important and I care about people more. Also, I have a permanent scar from playing dungeon duos. Um, it's hard to see on camera because it's so tiny, but this little needle mark here, um, once my sister and I were playing dungeon duos, which is my favorite mini game, and um, I beat her so many times in a row because we were in mini game mode where you just play mini games. Oh, I love it. I beat her so many times, um, she stabbed me with a needle. <laughs> um, what kind of needle were you talking? Uh, uh, a sewing needle. Oh. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's very tiny, but, um, but it's there, and it's from Mario Party. So that's, that's the general Mario Party breakdown. But Mario Party 4 specifically, I think, has stood the test of time, and I think people still love to this day because – the gameplay is great. It's really simple. The boards are really fun. And I think it has the best mini games. Um, the mini games are my favorite part of the game. And every single one of these mini games just gives me an absolute fucking blast of nostalgia. Oh. When I told my friends I was doing this podcast, I was talking with a few of my best friends from back home. So people I've known for 10 plus years and have played Mario party with, they immediately were like, Oh, I fucking love book squirm. I love the uh, stamp out. I love the, um, long claw of the law. Like they're all so much fun and everybody enjoys these mini games categorically. Did they for, so for Mario party four, this is, this is something I could have researched, but I'd rather, I just want to ask the person I'm talking to, did they keep older, like mini games, or mini games from the previous ones, and bring those in. Or are these all fresh for this game? 
I don't recall because okay. I don't, I have very few memories of Mario Party 1 through 3 because I, I never replayed those because I didn't own them. Um, but there's some, I do know that some of the games from Mario Party 4 did come back in later Mario Parties. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. but they're, um, they're all really fun. Um, like Book Squirm is one that came up amongst my friends a lot, which is um, where you're standing on a giant book and there are holes in the pages and you try to get caught, like go through the holes as opposed to getting smashed by the book. Um, one of my personal favorites is, what's it called? Oh, Trace Race, which is a really simple battle mini game where there's like a squiggle on a page and you have to use a giant crayon to like trace yourself. Okay. And also, I was very, very good <laughs> at rumble fishing because I have really good reflexes. And that was one where you were like just waiting on a dock. And as soon as your controller rumbled, um, you would wait. Also, I have to tell you something. As soon as people rumbled, you would um, pull in, hit A to catch the fish, and so it's all about quick reflexes. Mm-hmm. I would win that one a lot. As I was, uh, before I moved last week, I was trying to play this game on my roommate's Nintendo Wii, and her uh, remotes had stopped working, and so I googled. Um, like, why wouldn't my Nintendo Wii mote be working? And one of the, like, uh, pre-answers was how to make your Wiimote vibrate constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, there's some, like, 11-year-old girl out there. There's millions of 11-year-old girls out there who are like, how do I get it to just vibrate the yeah. whole time? <laughs> no, not the answer that you were looking for in the moment, Jessica, but hey, no. a valuable answer nonetheless. No, I mean, now I'm an adult and I just own a vibrator, but let me tell you, my PS2 remote got a lot of work when I was <laughs> Um It was doing double duty. Amazing. But, um, but I think the, the mini games and the boards in Mario Party 4 are part of the reason that they've held up so well. They're just fun. And That's cute. awesome. And it's definitely a nostalgia factor. I'm sure that it's us being... Um, mid-range millennials who live off nostalgia and long for a simpler time that we might love this iteration the most because it came out when we were 10, 11, 12, you know? Yeah. And you know, I I understand what you're saying about like it, maybe they wouldn't hold up as well today, but I think, I think that's true for some games. Some do hold up. Like I haven't, I'm not as familiar with this one near as much as I am too. I've played two many, many times. And going back to play it now, like there are aspects of that that I like way better than the current game. Um, the current one, it it is hard to move around the map quickly. Uh, the map there's only like four maps, and the mini games are great, which is like one of the big arms for me in a Mario Party game. But overall, it's kind of a bland experience. Whereas, I mean, what you just said about this one that you love, the games and the map, those are like maybe the two most important things for me too. Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. oh, go for it after you? I was going to say the board has to be like, it has to have a fun theme, but it also has to be simple enough for you to get around the board easily because you don't want to wait too long to get that first star. Cause once that first player has that first star, that's when the game is really on and you're trying to figure out who might have a chance at winning this game because there are also bonus stars at the end. And sometimes the bonus stars 
are absolute bullshit and they're <laughs> really swing the race. Yes. <laughs> it'll be like, there's a star for like most traveled, like the person who just moved around the board the most. And I'm like, yeah. Do they deserve a star. I don't think so. Um, but the boards are really important because like you have fun doing them and they can't be too complicated. Like I think the reason me and my friends never replayed Mario Party 9 as much was because that's when they switched to having like stars at every turn and oh. it wasn't as fun because then getting a star wasn't as significant. So at every turn, do you mean like every turn of the board map? Let me double check. I'm going to Google Mario Party. Yeah, go for it. Um, it is nine. There, there's like some sort of balance. I feel that these games can achieve between like you know, good like great mini games, fun map, good pacing, uh, and and that element of I mean, ultimately, what you're talking about the bonus stars, which is like chaos. Um, something that I appreciate. Well, I say I appreciate, but it ends up being me who bears the brunt of it. Like you, I'm pretty good at Mario Party, and you can only take care of so much. Like yeah. you can tr- pray that you roll the dice well. You can make risky moves, but like all you can really do is just win the mini, mini games and hope you get lucky, or you, or even like in the old games like this, you ha- you ju- you accidentally step on enough of the tiles that are bad, you might get a star for that later. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I like about Mario Party, which is also what I like about regular board games, is that it is equal parts, skill, and luck. And I think that's really fun because, like, you play board games with your friends. Um, And I'm really grateful that Mario Party existed in a time before internet gaming was big. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I'm sure I would have tried to play with people online, and it would have been bad. But you're (laughs) people that you, for the most part, love and care about your um friends shitty partners notwithstanding (laughs) like it's like you want to win but also it doesn't matter um yeah you're still having a good time and you get to be competitive and have fun without caring too much because yeah sometimes like luck will mean that somebody gets to the star before you even if you were like so close to that star or um literally just what mini game you get like sometimes if you roll and you're like you need coins so bad because you're like a space away from the star if a certain mini game comes up you're like i have no fucking chance at this mini game and like i have to accept that i'm not getting it but (laughs) the real friends are the journeys we made along the way they are i mean that i was thinking basically something like that as you were talking just now i think that's true for a lot of games of course is like the journey it's about the journey not the destination because the end of some are bad but like this one more than any of them because if you're expecting like happiness or to be rewarded for your the actual quality of your play that's not gonna happen yeah. <laughs> yeah especially because you can um steal from people yes uh and also you can send other characters to go like hurt them um <laughs> steal coins as well um and so you can only get so far ahead and it makes it more fun because then also the whole game can turn around at any moment. Mm -hmm. I looked it up. Mario party nine is the one where they changed like everybody rides in a car or a boat together and you win. Yeah. Instead of coins, you win like stars each time. And so somebody could win like the end of the game with like, I think like 14 or 15 stars or something. I appreciate that they were trying to mix it up after eight Mario parties that they were like, let's try something different. I didn't care for it. I just like board games and I just wanted to play more board games. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've heard like the tales of that one being a disappointment. 
Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing this game, or maybe this applies to all of the Mario Party games for you, um, what, like, let's, the game is starting. You're, of course, cho- you chose Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, two questions is, A, do you have, like, a general strategy as you're moving through the board? Or, again, we're saying this with the caveat that, like, your strategy could not mean shit, even if you implement it well. Um, and then, uh, two, is there any, like, rhyme a reason to roll dice better that I don't know about? Oh, I think that's one of those things that people think is true, but isn't. It's probably um, just like a random number generator. Yeah, because the dice, I mean, as far as I can tell, there is no strategy. You can technically, I guess, see the number going up as it rolls, but um, I don't think you have a lot of control over yeah. it. My strategy with Mario Party is to just... Um, get that very first star because that makes a huge difference. But if you're like, if luck isn't on your side and you don't make that first star, if you play the game enough, you will know after uh, a certain amount of time where they're going to put that second star. So if you know that person has all the coins and they're getting to that first star, you can switch courses and be like, no, I know that like, like he's about to move that star over here and aim for that other star instead. And, um, yeah, just try to win as many, many games as possible because that's also a bonus star at the end. And um, as far as strategy, it involves a lot of shit talking. Uh, <laughs> to be very mean to your friends. Just throw them <laughs> off their balance. Yeah. Um, and reassuring them at the top of every mini game that you're great at it and you're definitely going to beat them. And um, I'm not going to say that as an adult that I haven't ever smacked a controller out of someone's hand. Um, it's less frequent, but it does happen. <laughs> uh, proud of you. You know, I don't think you've smacked a controller out of my hand. Then again, <laughs> you know, maybe you will someday. Um, I, I liked hearing from you. I feel like we probably have very similar strategies with Mario Party because there's probably not a lot of strategy you can have, which is yeah. I try to bank those mini games. So those mean a lot. Every time I'm in one, I'm like, all right, it's time to go. Let's get after it. Does, does this game have like a, uh, a practice option on the mini game? Yes. And some, this is also bad. Uh, (laughs) some people will ask to practice. And if you're player one, sometimes you just don't let them do that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you don't give them the chance because you know that if they get the chance, they might beat you. Um, I feel like I let people practice most of the time, or if I'm not player one, then I'll be like, okay, let's practice. But also sometimes that can really slow you down. Um, because I, like I said, I understand the pacing criticisms and I like to keep it going. If you're like with friends and you're having a few drinks and you're eating, there's no rush because it's a game, but sometimes it can get really annoying. Like with any game, if it's somebody's turn and they're taking a dump, you know, like come back, take your turn. It's, which which um, famously yeah. happens multiple times in a Mario party game. <laughs> yeah. it just, it's like coffee in the morning. It just brings it out of you. Um, uh, it's not unheard of to just like roll somebody's dice for that. Oh yeah. I will say a strategy that my friends always use that I never, um, have gotten good at is buying a lot of items because I think I always want to make sure I have enough coins in the bank to get multiple stars if I need and also potentially get like a coin bonus at the end. Yes. But there's also 
I can't remember if it's in four, but in some versions, there's a, a big spender bonus star where oh. you have like get a bonus star for buying the most things. But those items can be really useful because some of them include like stealing coins from somebody. Um, like you can use big or small mushrooms. Like some routes only you can only get through if you are small and you have to take a uh, mini mushroom to get through it. Or you can take a mega mushroom and you get like double or triple dice rolls sometimes. And, but that can fucking suck because if you're like, uh, I have the coins for a star and I'm like 11 spaces away and the max roll on one dice is 10. And so you'll do like a triple dice roll and you'll get like two, two and one. Oh. And that's always a big like want, want, want moment. Yeah. Um, when you, <laughs> you use a mega mushroom and you're like, well, that was fucking pointless. And then especially to see like your giant character um, move four spaces is really that's- embarrassing. It is. I feel like I'm, I just come with any Mario Party game. I come to expect a disappointment and I come to expect like, uh, just, uh, failure when it comes to the things that aren't in my control like that. Cause I, f- I tend to play pretty conservatively where I'm just trying to blast through the board, get coins and win mini games and hopefully pick up stars just to be like, okay, at the end of the game, I'm at least getting the, like mini game and coin star at best case scenario. However, there will be times where I step out of my comfort zone and I'm like, yes, we're going items this time. And then yeah. I do exactly what you said. <laughs> I also think it's, I think it's fun that um, like if the three big, at least this is what I think of as the three big, like multiplayer Mario world games that like everyone can play super accessible and everybody loves it's Mario party, Mario Kart, and smash. And I think of those three Mario party has the most opportunities for humiliation, um, which makes it really fun when you're playing with your friends because smash like can definitely be humiliating if you're with a group of friends who like talks a lot of shit, but there's only so many ways you can lose. Whereas like with Mario party, um, there's so many different games and so many different variables within the big game itself that you can truly destroy somebody a dozen times within one, (laughs) with one board game. And Mario Kart, I think is in between because you can play more frequently and there are like more items in Mario Kart. Um, but I think in that one, the humiliation is more, more often in my case, uh, self-inflicted. Like if I'm just <laughs> completely turned around or like if I just fall off the track, I'm like, well, that one's on fucking me and I can't blame anybody. Yeah. I think that I love that. I totally agree with you. I think maybe part of the reason that it does leave this game, Mario Party, leaves you up to humili- more humiliation is partly because you're, things are happening so frequently, but they're happening sort of like in... Uh, isolated moments like in Mario in a race in Mario Kart like you're gonna have your things that are happening but you're you're on this like long journey whereas you're stopping every turn in Mario Party so you like have time to reflect on it yeah Um, and at the same time because you're always most of the time landing on spaces that give you coins it feels like you're in it uh, so it gives you more of opportunity for disappointment and at all times the rug is just getting pulled out from under you Oh yeah. And also the nice thing is that it's the game is a party when it's in itself, but it's also fun for groups of people because it has the board game aspect where it's like, you know, if you're rolling forth, you can take a couple minutes to go grab a drink or like use the bathroom or like text some people and then come back. And then, you know, 
every round, everybody's going to have their individual moment to like strategize, move across yeah. the board, maybe like hit somebody up for some coins or something. But no matter what, you're all going to play a fun short game together at the end of that round. Yeah. And then you just keep going. What do you, what is like your standard turn length for a game? Oh, I, I think I tend to go small because I'm usually with, I'm, I might be with people who like the game, like you or or Edgar or something. But if I'm like got the third or fourth player in this game is someone who's maybe not as hot on like for themselves on this game, I will go short so that they don't get bored <laughs> and, we can, and that we can finish. Yeah, what I feel I- like my friends ninety five percent of the time do twenty turns. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, um, and then only if we were like because this was a game we always played in the summer. Um, or on weekends. And so it was only if we had somewhere to be that we were like, okay, we have to leave in like less than an hour. Let's do five turns. Yeah, that's great. Um, I feel like you just gave me a really great transition point to sort of like uh, inquire a little more about when you played this game, who you were playing with and what those play sessions looked like. Did you play at your house? Um, Do you remember those details? Yeah, when I was in middle school and I was playing on the GameCube, I played, I played with my sister a lot who, um, (laughs) I was talking to some friends the other day about how competitive I am. I forget what we were talking about, but it was Kara who was like, yeah, Jess is very competitive because she and I played not Mario Party, but plenty of other board games together. And I was like, well, yeah, if you meet anyone from my family, you know why (laughs) my parents, my parents don't really play video games, but we were like huge on board games and card games growing up, growing up. And we're all very competitive. Um, And then when I got into video games, me and my sister played a lot and it would always, especially for those four player games, it would always be me, one of my friends, my sister, and one of her friends. And so of course there would be like huge fights. You've got your own Mario, Luigi, and Waluigi and Wario going on there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And then in high school, it became more of a joyful experience when I had more friends to play with. These were all musical theater and improv people yes Um, and it it was just a really like fun carefree time um which is crazy because it's not like high school was like an absolute cakewalk for me but I think it was the last time that I didn't have any responsibility so playing especially like my summer like before junior year and senior year was like absolute max peak hanging around and doing nothing time with my friends. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was like, especially one of my oldest friends, Whitney, her house was like the main house. She, Her parents were like the most accommodating. They loved having people over. Aww. They didn't care if we like kind of made a mess of the place. They were the parents <laughs> that like were like, yes, we love having Whitney's friends over. I think especially because... They were like, oh, if they're all over here, like, we know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what it was. (laughs) And, like, not that my parents weren't, like, good, loving parents, but I think they were just a little too um, protective for me to, like, have people over all the time, like, a little too concerned about, like, it being too noisy or there being too many kids. And so it's like, oh, well, Whitney's parents want all of us over. Um, And so it was her house probably a good majority of the time because she also had every system. Whitney always, she- Shout out to Whitney. Yeah, Whitney's a really good, um, 
gamer, I guess. That's the word. <laughs> She's really, <laughs> genuinely good at many, many video games, better than I'll ever be. Um, and is always up on like the latest one. Um, like the newest system every time it comes out and the newest version of every game. And so it was always her house and it was always Mario Party, Mario Kart or Smash. And sometimes that would be like the whole day. That is like as ideal of a day as there gets for me. Yeah. So I'm very jealous of you. That's so cool. Um, would you, would it, would it be like the same sort of crew that was always at her house? Did people like, did these musical theater kids like wrote, did you rotate? Well, how'd that work? So when I started doing music, I started doing musical theater when I started attending this musical theater summer camp. And, um, through that, I met my like high school improv team. And so we went to different high schools, but we were on a team together. And so we ended up spending, um, so much of our time together. We just became like friends really quickly. We put on some, if I may say so, really good shows. Um, I still think we have like the highest selling show that the Pleasanton Vets Hall has ever seen. Um, And we just like loved each other and spent so much time together. And it turns out we all loved video games. We also loved playing any kind of like stupid fun game. We played Mafia a lot. Oh, yes. Yeah, we played... um, uh, fucking ninja in the park do you remember playing ninja in the park ninja yeah. this right yes yeah ninja. <laughs> oh, we had our version of um do you remember like the circle game where if you like if somebody showed you the circle below their waist you would get punched in the arm oh yeah the we always affectionately yeah. called that a game <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh we had another version of that where if like you looked at the circle you had to do 10 push-ups um for two summers in a row we had i'm very sorry a really thriving Quidditch league where <laughs> I know we were all, it's exactly, it just tracks. We all did fucking improv and musical theater. And so of course we were all in really into Harry Potter and Twilight and we decided to start a Quidditch league and um, it got like semi-popular. Like wow. there were a few dozen kids from a couple different high schools who would all get together in the park on a weekly basis and play Quidditch, which was essentially like, kind of like ultimate frisbee but we were all holding grooms um one time i was assigned to be the snitch and everyone got very mad at me because i got in my car and i went to in and out that is the most jessica svensgard thing i've ever heard. <laughs> they were like really upset they were like we knew we you would do that if we let you be the snitch and i was like well i brought you in and out bitch so don't be so mad yeah, uh, here's your snitch yeah. <laughs> you're all just like really fucking um dorky ass kids who thought we were very cool and who hung out a lot and i think for the most part weren't overly ambitious so none of us were like too worried about extracurriculars the most daunting thing any of us were really doing at any one time was like being on a dance team or like being in a show learning lines rehearsing um stuff like that and so it made it very easy to constantly hang out and play video games that's awesome. That's yeah. ah, a lot of what you just shared brings a lot of joy to my heart. I, I I didn't get to experience all those similar things, but they all sounded so fun. And you're with your friends, just enjoying your and like letting yourself seemingly enjoy stuff as opposed to being like you said, worried about other things. Yeah. Uh, at least you know responsibility. Yeah. That is so cool. What were you gonna say? 
I well, I think that's part of the reason I have such like fondness and brand loyalty to Nintendo too, is that so many of their games um, are geared towards like playing as a group and having fun yeah. with other people. Even like Animal Crossing, like my roommate has it right now. And he was telling me about how fun it is. And I mean, many of our friends have it. And I know that a big part of it is interacting with other people online because I was like really into Sims as a kid. And I think I already spent so much fucking time on the Sims. And if there had been a component that allowed you to play with your friends from the internet, I probably would have passed away playing the Sims. They would have found a corpse at the computer because I didn't eat for 72 hours or something. Um, And Animal Crossing has, like, done that because Nintendo's figured it out. It's, like, what are the two things people really love? It's, like, video games and their friends. And if you combine those things, you'll get people who are really, really into it. It's true. Ugh, that is such a good point. Um, Amazing. Oh, I meant to tell you earlier, we did an episode on the Sims franchise, and and Liz was the guest. Oh, I love Liz. That totally tracks that Liz, because I know she's really big into Animal Crossing right now. Um, and it really tracks that she would have been into the Sims too, because it's it's so much fun and it's so escapist to just make a little person and they have to do whatever you want. Yes, and that was like, I mean, especially when it was new, it was like it was a very unique experience for people. So I love that. Um, Jess, I feel like I've gotten to hear so much uh, of awesome, so many awesome words from you today. I've heard so many awesome things. Is there anything? before we move on to like some end of the show segments that you would like to share or wrap up? Um, no, I mean, I think we've covered all the important parts of Mario party, um, which are that it's about simultaneously um, coming together with your friends and uh, destroying them. It really combines <laughs> a couple of my favorite things. <laughs> that um listeners at home my bird's little uh cloaca has blocked my computer camera honestly this uh, works out well for me yeah connor loves a good cloak <laughs> he loves sitting on the top of my laptop screen but it's she loves sitting dead center which is right in front of my camera um Amazing. oh there we go but I think uh, Mario Party will always have a special place in my heart along with Mario Kart and Smash but Mario Party is always my favorite because it it has the best combination of um, competition and solidarity. Yes. Ah, oh, I love that. Well, well, we're going to do some fun segments um, to close the show, but thank you so much for sharing all of that. That was, it's wonderful to like hear your thoughts having played this game with you a number of times. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to our post game segments. That's what I should call them. Post game segments. Uh, um, the first of which is of course the fact me by your game segment. And Jessica, this is a segment where I just regurgitate facts about this game to my guest. Um, so the first one is that Mario party four was the first game in the series to be released in North America before Japan. Now this factoid comes from the, did you know gaming, uh, YouTube channel, which I actually will send you this one because it's about the whole Mario Party series. It's really fascinating. But um, the North American release of Mario Party 4 came on October 21st, 2002, and in Japan on November 8th, 2002. Nowadays, like worldwide releases are like the most common for almost every game. However, at the time, this was extremely rare to have a game not only not come out in Japan first, but to come out in the US. So 
pretty interesting. Um, the next fact I have for you is something we didn't discuss about this game at all, um, which is it has pre-rendered cutscenes in this game. Um, so there are like moments in it where like when they tell the story, instead of just like the actual character models, um, you know, moving in real time, these are cutscenes, which were huge in games at the time. <laughs> like it's almost this is so hilarious to me that like this doesn't seem like a game that would need cutscenes. I'm I would think of like a Final Fantasy, like those big yeah. games. But then the fact that it reached this shows how big they were. I um, guess we didn't talk about story mode for Mario Party at all because I, I think I just don't endorse it. Um <laughs> In my, my loneliest 10-year-old days, I might have played story mode a couple yes. times, but um, that's not the point of Mario Party. <laughs> it is. I even, I've definitely turned on a Mario Party, like done multiplayer but with three computers, and it's just different when it's the computers and not your friends because I at least like my friends, and the computers yeah. I build hatred for immediately. Yeah, and you never... <laughs> I guess this is true of literally any video game, but with mini games in particular, you never know if it's rigged. <laughs> like, yes. Do I have an actual shot at winning? Is my effort actually making a difference here? Or does the computer just decide that they're going to win this one? Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, the last fact I have for you is that um, Mario Party 4 was the last game to feature Donkey Kong as a playable character until he made a return in Mario Party 10. And I just think that's rude that they left him out. I remember... Go for it, sorry. Oh, I was going to say everyone loves DK. I wonder why they did that. I don't know. I remember... I do remember playing 5, and he was like sort of a Toad-like character. He would be on some, if not all, of the maps and had a certain like job or functionality. But I, I was... I remember being upset that he wasn't in it and I never even used Donkey Kong, but I was like, he's got to be in here. Um, That will do it for the fact me by your game uh, segment. And we'll move on to the game recommendation segment. Now this is the point of the show, Jessica, where I um, force a tie into the movie, call me by your name. So these recommendations that I provide to you are going to be based on the idea that you were with Mario party for in a relationship like Timothy Chalamet was with Army Hamer's character in that in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering when watching that movie, like, okay, who does Timothy Chalamet date after that? Is it someone who's just like Army Hammer? Is it someone wildly different out of left field? Because I feel like that's how life can be sometimes. So that's what these recommendations will be based on. The first one is a brand new game that I've just started playing this week, and it's something like Mario Party with the same chaotic spirit, and that is called Fall Guys. Unfortunately, this is only available on PC and PS4, so I don't think you have a PS4. No. Well, I mean, so- I own a computer. Okay. Is it is it a Mac or a PC? It is. Oh, it's a Mac. Oh. Yeah. You know, hey, maybe someday. Or you can come play <laughs> this someday when we're, you know, in a beautiful world when we're out of quarantine. Um, This game, Jessica... I would sort of describe as it's all it's online. It's mm-hmm. it's like Mario Party in the sense that you have these short bursts of mini game. There's no mini games. There's no board aspect to it. Um, but each round after each game, uh, a certain number of the people participating out of the sixty people get eliminated. So Ooh. so like the a lot of the times the first uh, the first mini game you play is some one where you're just trying to run from one end of the map to the other and there are like obstacles to jump over 
or like a fan that's spinning that will knock your players out. All the little characters are these cute, dumb looking little like orbs. It's it's Good. really fun. I started playing it with some of the uh, my friends from the video games, a comedy show community, and it's it it truly reminded me of Mario Party because you at the same time think you're in control and that you've like got a handle on it, but you also are going to get screwed at some point. So um, that was the first rec. The second rec is just a darker take on Mario Party with a board functionality. This is called Pummel Party. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's like violent. Like the characters move around the board and like you could step in like a, like a bear trap or get like uh, punched off the map. It's, it's wild, but uh, if you're looking, Jess, if you need a little darker take instead of the brightness of Mario Party, there's that. And then the last one, this is what I would consider the out-of-left-field recommendation for this episode. And Jess, we talked about collecting coins in Mario Party. If you just have a deep, lo- a deep lust for coins, I recommend DuckTales Remastered, um, which is a game <laughs> which has nothing to do with Mario Party, but Scrooge McDuff duck loves his coins if you just love swimming in piles of coins yeah exactly uh so this is available on a bunch of uh uh platforms including android and ios so you could always try it on your phone but it's a completely different game Mm -hmm. um that brings us to the end of the game recommendation segment and jess we are at the end of the show so um before we go uh, i would love you to plug anything you'd like to plug uh thank you again so much for doing this this was really fun Oh, no problem. I love this game. And even, like I said, I wasn't able to play it before this episode, but even just looking it up and reading about it and watching some playthroughs was such an incredible blast of nostalgia. And it makes me so happy because I have nothing but happy memories of Mario Party 4, except on that one occasion when I had to play with my friend's shitty boyfriend. Um, But other than (laughs) that, nothing but happy memories. And so I was very happy to talk about it. Ah, I love it. Well, that's wonderful. Is there anything that you would like to plug before we go? Um, I would like, I mean, my own Twitter and Instagram, obviously. My Twitter is uh, my last name. It's at Svensgard. Um, my Instagram is unfortunately at FatCuckBaby. Um, <laughs> I just decided on that a year ago and I've committed to it. That's my Instagram handle. Um, oh, and I want to plug, if you are on Twitch... Our lovely friends, Joan Ford and Kate Raft, have launched a talk show on Twitch called Fall Talk. And <laughs> when does this episode come out? This, let me look at my calendar. Let me look at my calendar. I can get that for you. But probably in like uh, three to four weeks. I'm thinking Oh, four. okay. So it'll okay. be a bit. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm, how should I phrase this then? Because I'll be on, I'll just plug the show in general because it's going to be an ongoing thing. Um. Okay, I'll go back. Um, our, <laughs> our lovely friends, uh, Joan Ford and Kate Raft, have a Twitch talk show called Fall Talk um, based on the true phenomenon that it is always fall. Um, we all know this to be true. It's a fact. And so I'm going to be appearing on that show with semi-regularity. And um, I don't know. Should we plug Mock Improv? <laughs> hey, Mock Improv, everybody. Look it up. It's a weekly show of the, you know, a lot of the best performers in LA. Uh, and we're still doing it. And it's actually, it's picked up some steam lately. Like last week was also really good. Yeah, I think it's weird because we don't plug the show a lot because it's kind of 
something we do for us and it's yeah. just fun and silly. But I didn't realize um, one of our hosts a couple weeks ago put out like an open call, which we hadn't, we hadn't been promoting it really. Yes. And we were surprised at how many people showed up. So if you know us or if you have like a mutual friend and you want to do internet improv, if that's something you've been missing, either doing or watching, who knows? Give us a message. Come yeah. come watch and or play every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Hit one of Jess or I up and we will we will vet you and make sure you're not a creep and then we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not quite an open call to play. Yes. Um, but at the very least, you can watch and maybe once we verify that you're not going to like try to expose yourself on Zoom. Um, you can join. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And maybe someday we can find a way to, maybe I should just stream it on my channel to make it even easier for people. Oh yeah, that too. Once again, it's such a small show that we haven't thought about it, but it seems like the demand is there-ish. Yeah. So um, why not plug Mock Improv? Hell yeah. Um, was that it for your plugs? That, did that wrap it up for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just plug my, <laughs> is this appropriate? It's like, I'll plug my Venmo, why not? Yeah. Um, I've had some very enterprising men offer me money on uh, Twitter lately because I had one tweet that blew up. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, if strange men want to give me money for me doing nothing, why not? Seriously. But, um, although I don't know how ethical it is to plug my Venmo on your podcast that has a Patreon, so I won't do that. Please do it. It's my name. It's at Jessica-Stenskar. <laughs> there we go. I love it. Well, thank you again, Jessica. This show is, of course, produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. It's actually his real birthday today, so happy birthday out happy there birthday, to you, Jeremy. Mr. Jeremy. You are a wonderful guy. Um, you can listen to his show, Video Games, a comedy show, uh, anywhere you get your podcast. It's more of a roundtable-style video game show. Um, you can also listen to, if you end up, if you support our Patreon, which I will plug again, patreon.com slash super NPC radio at the $5 level, you get a weekly bonus show from Jeremy and I called super NPCs, where we look at games, directors, trends. We just looked at the, Wii. we're coming up. Well, actually it'll be in the past. Now the Wii virtual console, we wear, we do some wacky stuff, but you can follow all of our stuff there and check out the, there are previews available if you, you know, don't want to pay five bucks up front. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Connor underscore McCabe on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next one.